Welcome to the Faith and Culture Now podcast. I'm Scott Schiffer. And I'm Randall Worley. And today we're going to be talking about the issue of prayer. Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of prayer. There's, uh, you know, prayers of thankfulness. There's prayers of supplication where you're, uh, you know, bringing deep-seated concerns to God. There's prayers where you're, uh, you know, trying to intervene for others. Um, but there's also, you know, breath prayers where you sort of just say a little prayer out loud or in your head. This is about a sentence long. It's sort of redirect your focus onto God. And scripture tells us that we should really, you know, try to live in an attitude of prayer where we're sort of praying throughout the day. And so that's being mindful of, you know, God and his presence around us, but also uh, being, um, I guess, if you will, ready to listen to the conviction of his spirit on your heart as you read his word and as you interact with others and so on throughout the day. Um, but there's also a lot of questions surrounding the topic of prayer. Uh, you know, for example, does prayer change God's mind? Um, or is prayer intended more to change us? Or why does God sometimes answer a prayer to heal someone and not answer a prayer to heal someone at another time? And so because of this, um, I, I thought this would be just a really good topic to discuss here on the podcast. And Randall, I can't think of anyone better to discuss this topic with than you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, I wanted to begin by sort of asking you, what do you think is just sort of the general purpose of prayer? Yeah, and I, I think for a lot of people, um, perhaps sometimes the way we go about doing prayer corporately is uh, somewhat misleading, um, and uh, that's unfortunate because I think for, for a lot of people, prayer kind of becomes this burdensome uh, kind of a chore uh, type thing, you know, because a lot of times when we gather to pray, it it devolves into a wish list, um, and the wish list is almost inevitably who is sick. Uh, or who needs a job or, you know, always some kind of uh, life crisis of some sort or some discomfort we want God to address. Um, but it's, it's seldom the deeper issues of why we're alive, what we're doing with our lives, you know, what God's up to in the world. Those things uh, can be practically absent from the whole prayer thing. So it, when you pray like that, uh, it becomes kind of a, you're going through a list, you know, you have this list of things you have to pray for, and you just kind of go through one after another, and it, it feels so dry and perfunctory um, that I think for a lot of people, prayer just is associated in their minds with something uh, tiresome and, and, and burdensome. Uh, and that's not at all what prayer is supposed to be about. Uh, prayer is basically uh, us intentionally communicating with God. And um, what, we, what we're told in Scripture is that God is uh, eager for us to do this because He is eager to communicate with us. Uh, prayer uh, is not simply a list of demands. Uh, prayer is a conversation with God, and we need to learn to cultivate it as that. Um, a lot of times I'll I'll pray and 
through my time of prayer, I'm asking God questions. I'm asking him to lay things on my heart, to, to you know, open my understanding if I'm facing a, an issue in life. Um, and I'm not just telling God, fix this, this, and this. I'm just saying, okay, well, what's important right now? What, what should I be focusing my heart on right now? Or, uh, you know, things like that, where through the process of talking with God and actually pausing and listening, uh, God, God is in conversation with us. Uh, I think, I think that's uh, a much more meaningful approach to prayer. And I think it's the lifeblood of our relationship with God. We, if we don't pray, we don't, uh, we're not developing this relationship with God any more than, you know, if you're married to someone and you never talk, uh, you're never going to develop a relationship. And our relationship with God is is just as profound and complicated as any relationship in our lives. You know, you can't have an intimate, uh, meaningful, and healthy relationship with a spouse if you don't talk regularly. And you can't do that with God either. Um yeah. And, uh, you know, when you talk to your spouse, you, you have to also listen. It's not just rattling off a list of things to your spouse and running away. Um, yeah. and I, I think a lot of times when it's sort of this list of God, please do this and this and this, amen. Uh, a, a lot of times we don't take the time to stop and listen. And I, I get that there's, there's times when that may or may not be appropriate. You know, when you're praying in a group, there may not be as much time to, to sit and listen, but, right. um, when you're praying on your own, there should be a lot more of an intentional interest in hearing from God, not just uh, shooting him your, uh, you know, your list of uh, requests or demands or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that we should be prayerful when we read scripture and listen for God to speak to us through his word as we read the text. Uh, and for him to convict our hearts of things that we need to do or think or be. Um, and and you, you talk about, you know, asking deeper questions of life. You know, what should I be focused on right now? Uh, mm-hmm. or, or even um, focusing on, you know, God's character. I mean, I, I think a big part of prayer should be adoration of the Lord and um, thinking about who he is what he's done in the life of his people, but also what he intends to do in the life of his people still. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, I, I think that having this I, uh, uh, this attitude when we go to prayer, that it's not just about what we need from God, but also about directing our hearts to who God is and who his character is, uh, it becomes important um, for helping us to develop our understanding of the nature and character of God, which allows us to draw deeper into a relationship with God. So Randall, in addition to hearing God's conviction and thinking about God and thinking about what he wants us to do in life, uh, what are your thoughts on this idea that um, when we pray, we actually change God's mind? Wow. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> the immutability of God, right? Um, That's right. Which, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think the incarnation really throws a wrench into that. But um, 
just in terms of his will, right? Uh, right, right, yeah. And, and of course, for some people, God is almost uh, not even an, an interacting being uh, because it's all set in stone, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible, I would say, doesn't present God that way. It presents God very much as a relational being who interacts with his creation in meaningful ways. So um, I think it's very clear that God acts in response to prayer. Biblically, uh, it'd be really hard to deny that. I mean, it's all mm -hmm. over the Bible, you know. Uh, we're told to pray and that God will answer prayer. Um, so I, I think it's, it's hard to say that, you know, prayer isn't going to affect anything. Now, of course you used very specific language there. Is our prayer going to change God's mind? Um, I, I'm, who knows, you know, <laughs> I, there are yeah. a handful of passages in the Bible, like in Jonah, where, uh, we're told that God changed his mind. In fact, in Jonah, it's, it's stronger than that. He repented of the evil he was going to do to the Ninevites. That's right. Uh, so, I mean, it's, uh, um, of course, it, possibly we're dealing with anthropomorphisms there, you know, kind of casting God in, in human terms so that we can understand him a little better. But um, I think it is very clear that there are things that will only happen in response to prayer. Now, yeah. on one end of the spectrum, you have people who think, that unless we ask for it, God can't do it. Kind of the word of faith extreme expression of that, right. where we have to activate God to liberate him to do something in this world through our faith and our prayer. Um, I, don't, I don't see that in the Bible at all. Bob, God clearly operates with or without faith whenever he chooses to. Uh, mm -hmm. I like to example of, of the, the paralytic of 38 years, Jesus says, you know, do you want to be healed? And he says, no, I can't. Yeah, I can't. Be healed. No, I'm, I'm a paralytic. I never get to the water in time. So it's hopeless. There's no point. And Jesus, in response to his lack of faith, said, get up and walk. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so God doesn't need us to do anything for him to do something. Sure. But I'm also reminded of the example of, uh, you know, when the disciples were trying to cast the demon out of this boy and were unable to, uh, this demon that would give him fits and kind of an epileptic seizure type thing, throw him into fire and things. And mm -hmm. uh, Jesus cast the demon out and the disciples say, well, why didn't it work for us? And he said, uh, well, this kind only comes out with prayer. Mm hmm. And uh, I think that sort of, yeah, yeah, it's, that uh, builds on this idea that there, there, first of all, there's a lot more to the spiritual realm than we are often aware of, right? Yeah. And so we know what's been revealed in Scripture, but that's really about it. And um, you know, I think secondly, you can't ignore passages in Scripture that uh, do clearly talk about God intending to do one thing and then not doing that thing as a result of human prayer. Yeah. I think in those situations, the prayer not only um, shows God um, changing his actions, not necessarily, you know, his character or his being, right, but his actions, uh, right. but it also oftentimes ends up changing the character of those who are doing the praying. Yeah. And so, you know, 
in the case with Nineveh, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't want God to spare those people. God right. wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh because he intended to spare the people. And so it does say, well, you know, God relented from the evil he was going to do and the people repented. But you notice that uh, then Jonah is really upset with God. Well, God, yeah. this is why I didn't want to come here in the first place. I wanted you to wipe these guys out. And, uh, yeah. you know, essentially the purpose of a lot of the purpose of that story is that um, the, essentially the, um, I guess, the vastness of God's desire for grace and mercy yeah. and peace and justice. And in Jonah, you know, all he really wanted is vindication, really, you know, or vengeance. And um and so we see all throughout the entire book of Jonah, the only person who's not acting like a prophet is Jonah. You know, the people yeah. on the ship are doing the things that the prophet should do. The people yeah. in Nineveh are doing the things the prophet should do. The king is yeah. doing things the prophet should do. And Jonah is just kind of fighting the whole way. Uh, yeah. and in this particular yeah. instance, Jonah's heart wasn't really in a place to be moved by God. Uh, right. But when we come to God in prayer, our heart should be in a place to be moved. Um, yeah. but of course that leads to then questions about, you know, well, how do you know that God's really answering a prayer or it's not just coincidence? Uh, so, you know, an example of this might be, you know, you're praying for a close parking spot because it's raining outside and, and lo and behold, <laughs> a parking spot opens up and you go, see, yeah. God provided me that parking spot. And you're like, well, maybe yeah. he did, or maybe another person just happened to be leaving at the same time you were showing up. Yeah. And, um, you think about those kind of prayer requests but then you think about prayer requests like, um, uh, you know, hey, uh, my kids have nothing to eat, God. Will you provide so that they don't, you know, starve to death? Or what do you do about the people who do starve to death who don't have food and basic necessities? And mm -hmm. so uh, oftentimes I think people look at prayers like for parking spaces or, you know, pray that I don't have traffic on the way to work this morning or whatever, right? Yeah. And yeah. um, uh, they look at that as as sort of a very trite thing in comparison mm -hmm. with these other more significant issues. But I would argue, um, I I'll let you talk in a minute, I promise. <laughs> but, um, no, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, I would argue that um, God wants us to pray about everything, the small things and the large things. So I don't think that it has to be a, well, you can't pray for a close parking space. Uh, right. But the question is, you know, really, when do you know that it's God answering a request versus it just sort of playing out that way naturally. Yeah, I I do think it's it's important to cultivate just an attitude of prayer, like you were saying, where it's just something you're doing through the whole day. And yeah, you you throw in uh, stupid stuff like you know, uh, give me this parking space or give me a good parking space or let there not be traffic. And uh, in my experience. Um, God doesn't seem to uh, kind of jump to uh, accommodate these things uh, consistently. I mean, uh, on occasion, something might come up. So I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I, I don't do a whole lot of that kind of asking, um, uh, just because I, I think God is is has uh, bigger concerns for me than uh, me trying to live my life in the most convenient way possible to myself. Mm -hmm. 
I say, well, you know, God never answers my prayers. I asked him for parking and he didn't give it to me. I was late to my test. Well, maybe God wants you to learn to be a little more responsible. Right. And, uh, he's not about to feed your self-centered, egotistical approach to life, you know? So a lot of these things, you know, and James talks about this, about us. There are two clear ways we don't get what we're what we need. One is we don't ask. We don't talk to God about it. We don't let him in on it. And uh, then God says, okay, well, some things I'm only going to do if we talk about it. Um, or you do talk to God about it, but you're doing it wrong. You're being self-centered and greedy and you want things for yourself and you're asking God for things he cannot give you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of times we think, well, what I'm asking is such a small thing. Why don't he just give it to me and just you know, make me happy. Um, and God doesn't want primarily to make us happy. He wants to make us good. Mm -hmm. And, and so prayer is part of God working on our hearts. And it's not about accommodating God to our will. It's about accommodating our hearts to his will. It's, and, and, and through prayer, we begin to get there. We, we dig in and get to know who God is, and uh, we listen and 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 hear, um, you know. But as to, I think some people have this idea that God's just kind of sitting up there. He's this immovable force, and mm. anything I say is just going to kind of bounce off him. Uh, and you might point to God not giving you the the small things you keep asking for as evidence of that. And, and I think that's not evidence of God not answering prayer. It's evidence that we're not learning how to pray right yet. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact, I think, let me point to uh, Jeremiah 18. Uh, this was pointed out to me in an Old Testament survey, and it has it has completely um, shaped my understanding of prophecy in the Old Testament. And this is the passage where God tells Jeremiah, uh, if I tell a nation I'm going to bless them and, uh, you know, let them be firmly rooted and, and pour out my blessings on them, and they respond to this message from my prophet by turning away from me and ignoring me and doing wicked things and pursuing the idols, God says, then I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And if I send my prophet and I tell a nation, I'm going to destroy you because of your wickedness, and that nation repents and turns away from their wickedness, God says, I am not going to do what I said I was going to do. Now, it's not that God's indecisive. It's that when God communicates with us, he is engaging in a conversation with us. He's not just throwing out these dictates, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and deal with it. He is saying, given the current state of things, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Now, what you do with what I just told you is going to affect whether I do what I just said or do something different. Yeah. When our heart changes, sometimes yeah. consequences change, right? Exactly. Yeah. But I think God is very much in real relationship with us so that uh, it's not that he's changing his mind, is that he is, it's that he is allowing us to actually have a genuine interaction with him that is going to 
impact what he's doing in response. So prayer absolutely makes a difference because God is on the other side of that conversation. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really great perspective to have. And um, I, I think that you, one of the things you mentioned is, you know, we need to learn how to pray. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite passages in the New Testament is the model prayer. Uh, mm -hmm. It's oftentimes called the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, but it's Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And he begins by making a comment that is honoring and worshipful of God. Uh, mm -hmm. And then he goes through a number of other things, you know, uh, recognizing that God uh, provides for our needs, not all of our wants, but our needs. Uh, but then even talks about how, you know, uh, we ask for God's forgiveness, we confess our sins, but we confess our sins to God knowing that we also forgive others when they come to us asking for forgiveness. Yeah. And uh, there's like this assumption that we are going to be forgiving towards others because we know that God is forgiving towards us. Yeah. And um, uh, a lot of what you find in the Lord's Prayer is very outward focused. It, it deals with not just um, what we want, but it deals with uh, being grateful to God for who he is, being grateful to God for what he does, but then also uh, being reflective of who God is and how we treat others. And I, I think that's a big part of what it means to pray and how we should pray. Um, yeah. So as Christians, we can come to God in faith asking, you know, God, you know, please heal this person of this terminal disease. And God may heal the person and he may not heal the person. Um, and whether he does or not doesn't have anything to do with that person's faith or lack of faith. Right. Um, it has everything to do with essentially, uh, you know, God's will and timing for that person. Um, but one of the things that James says in his book is, you know, when you make plans, you say, you know, if it's God's will, we're going to do this. Uh, and yeah. I think that's how you look at, you know, issues of, you know, terminal illness. If it's God's plan and will, he will heal this, but we're going to do everything we need to do on this side uh, to bring about healing, but also to bring about the person's comfort or the least amount of suffering or whatever we need to do yeah. uh, as good humans in the process. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, one one thing I, I was I was ex excited when you said you wanted us to talk about prayer today because uh, it's been uh, kind of a big thing in the past year of our life as a church. Um, I'm 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 embarrassed to admit that for years I'd been sensing that we needed to have a prayer uh, service uh, as part of our church life activities and somehow kept thinking somebody would volunteer to step up and 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 take the lead and nobody ever did and i had a very kind of a clear sense of the kind of prayer we needed to be doing um not the traditional you know let's give a list of needs and let's it's all intercessory prayer um and uh in my experience growing up that's what prayer meeting was you know everybody gives you a list of everybody that needs something and we just mm -hmm. pray through the list and it's, it's a little bit like santa claus and your gift list um and i i did not want to do that kind of a prayer meeting um 
I felt like what we needed was a time of prayer where we're focused not on what we need from God, but on what God is up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, it just dawned on me. I, I feel so stupid for not thinking of it before, but you know, I was the person God had put this on it. Uh, he had put it on my heart uh, to yeah. do this. I don't know why I was expecting somebody else to lead it. Uh, so finally, I just said, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll pick a night and we'll just start doing this. And I call it kingdom prayer. Mm-hmm. And the subtitle is uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And every week uh, I start us off, I pick a passage that has some indication of what God wants. Some Bible passage that talks about something uh, that God wants. And uh, I encourage us to pray with this as kind of a starting point. You know, God, what is it? What is your will? And reveal it to us and do it among us, you know. And uh, we've, we've started having uh, planning meetings for church events following this prayer time. Um, and it's been it's been really uh, significant. Uh, you know, we'd like as an example, we we've been doing like a fall fest Halloween type thing every year since I've been here. Um, most we've ever had show up was maybe 300 people. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not a huge church, obviously. Um, and we were praying through, you know, God, you know, let us connect with our neighborhood, give us a chance uh, and planned it uh, accordingly. But didn't really do any huge changes. We did change the name uh, from something innocuous like Trunk or Treat or Fall Fest to actually a Halloween Trick or Treat, uh-huh. uh, which, you know, some Christians uh, feel like you have just signed your soul off to the devil for using that language. But I, I wanted non-church people to show up. Mm-hmm. But I, I know it wasn't that. Uh, but we ended up having uh, people that actually registered for the event, 1,052 people show up. Oh, wow. And the miracle was not just that we had more than three times we had ever, what we had ever had before, but that it didn't overwhelm us. I don't know how it worked, but everybody mm-hmm. had a good time. It wasn't a disaster. Um, and we, we just connected with a whole bunch of people, uh, people just seem to be coming out of the woodwork. And, um, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about, you know, prayer, making a difference, God doing something. If, if we ask and focus and, and try to accommodate our lives to God rather than the other way around, uh, God does things. Uh, and he begins to move and work and and change things uh, very tangibly in our lives. And to me, that's the exciting thing about prayer is coming to God and saying, God, uh, don't just tell me what you want, but grant me the honor of being a part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the 90s, there was a really popular Bible study called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Yeah. And um, there are aspects of that Bible study I really like. There's aspects of that Bible study I'm not a big fan of, which is uh, probably probably par for the course for me with Bible studies. But uh, um, one of the things that Blackaby t- does well in the book is that he talks about looking at where God is at work around you mm-hmm. and then joining him in that work that he's already doing, uh, as opposed to thinking all the time, 
I want to do this. God's going to come and help me do it. Uh, you know, and when you talked about your church doing this kingdom focused prayer, you know, asking, you know, well, God, where are you at work? What do we need to do uh, to join you? Um, it kind of reminded me of that, but I think that's a, a yeah. fantastic way to do prayer. And I think that's, um, honestly, that's very encouraging to me. Um, uh, not just because you changed the name to actually say Halloween, which I also love, but, uh, <laughs> uh I'm sure there are people now that are going to be praying for both of us, <laughs> yeah. of, you know, that, but, uh, I, I think that what, what's really encouraging is that a lot of church prayer services really are just sort of here, all the people in the hospital here. And it, it yeah. gets back to that schedule list that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Um, yeah. and, and, and honestly, um, I, I think that, uh, a lot of times when we pray in church, that's kind of what it is. What are your prayer requests? Okay. This, 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 and this. Okay. But not, you know, Hey guys, you know, you know, the election is coming up and, uh, we need to be praying that um, God moves in our hearts to um, help us know who to vote for locally that's going to represent our community well, or, you know, whatever else the case is. Yeah. yeah uh, I yeah. say the elections, I mean, elections just happened here, but, um, uh, yeah. but you think about that kind of stuff and you think about, um, you know, hey guys, um, you know, our church has seen a number of people come to visit lately uh, that, uh, fit a certain demographic we need to pray about what god wants us to do to better reach and disciple people that fit that yeah. and incorporate them into our church you know not just oh so and so's in the hospital and mm-hmm. um, the last thing i kind of wanted to bring up today was the idea of god being on our side in prayer mm-hmm. And this always comes up when you have, say, you know, two football teams or basketball teams or soccer teams or whatever else. Right. Yes. And um, there's people holding signs that say John 316 for both teams. And, right. you know, both teams have people that are praying for victory. And, you know, if one loses, I don't think we should assume that that means God doesn't favor them as much as he favors the other team. Uh, I think it gets back to your idea of these natural consequences. Well, one team practice harder one team played harder and they found uh, the ability to have victory because of the work that they put into what they were doing. Um, but you know, you'll see, you'll see people say things like, you know, um, I have been praying for this victory. I've been praying for this win and then they don't win. Uh, well, the question then you have to ask is, well, why didn't you win? You know, is it because you didn't try your best? Maybe not. Maybe you did try your best, Maybe someone else just was better. <laughs> and, yeah. um, but um, but I think it's easy for us to go, uh, well, I'm mad at God because I thought that he wanted me to do this. And this could be in a game or not a game, right? But right. Uh, you know, God wanted me to do this and I did it and it didn't have the effects that I thought it was going to have or it didn't have the results I was expecting. Um, and the question is then, well, uh, what you did, were you doing that for the Lord, or were you doing that for your own ego, or were you doing that for the Lord, but maybe the Lord just had different plans? Um, you know, were you doing what God wanted you to do? Were you joining him? Were you asking yeah. him where you needed to be? Or were you simply saying, God, this is what I think you need to do? And I think oftentimes we get this idea that we need to demand from God or tell God, this is how it's going to be, and this is how you're going to work. Uh, even if it's unintentional, uh, but we do tend to tend to think that way and do that. So what kind of thoughts do you have on those kind of issues? Well, I, I think it's obvious. It, 
we do it a lot. Uh, we we dream these great big dreams of what we want to do for God. And we go out and plan and we study the demographics and we lay out our action plan and our five-year goals. And, you know, we're really, especially in, in this country, we're, we're very good at that kind of approach to work. And um, the problem is we're not the ones who are running things. It's not our kingdom. Uh, mm -hmm. It's his kingdom, you know, and this idea that it's up to us to strategize how the kingdom is going to be built and it's God's job to fund it uh, in terms of uh, material capital and spiritual capital, mm -hmm. you know, give us the power, give us the, you know, the success and um, make it all happen. Uh, well, that's ridiculous. We don't know squat. And God knows everything. Uh, if 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 anybody is the brilliant strategist here, it has to be God. It can't be us. Yeah, I would completely agree. One. But yeah, uh, God's the one who's running the kingdom. We're not uh, running it. And to think that we are the ones who have to come up with all the grand schemes and plans and. God has to come behind us uh, is to do it all completely backwards. Um, you know, if you, if you looking at scripture helps me a lot, you know, I think of Pentecost, you know, who planned that? Right. All they did pray. That's all they did. The only instructions they had was get together, pray and wait for God to do his thing. They did that and had one of the most, uh, spectacular results uh, in kingdom work in one day, you know, and I look at Paul's ministry. He strategized, he planned, but he never ended up doing what he planned to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very frequently. Paul, God had very, yeah, very, very different plans, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you read his letters and he's or even in Acts, you know, his second missionary trip, he wants to go to Ephesus. That's that's where all the people are. And God says, No, you can't. The spirit of Jesus did not allow him. Mm -hmm. We're told that that's bizarre. He ends up going north and ends up in Macedonia and then down in Corinth and Greece. And he writes Romans. He's about out to head to deliver the offering to Jerusalem, and his plan then is, I'm coming back to Rome, and you guys are sending me off to Spain. That never happened. Mm -hmm. The reason Paul was as effective as he was is not that he was the greatest strategist in the world. It's that he paid attention to God, mm -hmm. and he let God take the lead. I'm not saying we don't plan things, but the minute we realize God's moving somewhere else, we drop it all and we adjust to him. That's the way prayer needs to work. It keeps us close to God. It's not to uh, bind God to us. That's right. And uh, I, you I know think... to, to hitch him to our wagon. Yes. Yeah. We instead we we hitch to his wagon. Right. And yeah, uh, exactly. I think that uh, this sort of allows me to, you know, maybe say one more thing that I think is important to note is that sometimes in church, the church will be, you know, thinking about making a decision or doing something. And then someone will say, well, I was praying and God told me this is what we need to do. And mm -hmm. 
sometimes when people say that, they say that with completely good intentions, right? They yeah. hope that that's what God wants to do. And they think that that's yeah. what God wants to do. But sometimes it's just really what they want to do. And yeah. again, it's this idea of hitching God to our wagon. And um, I think that's why it's important, especially in churches, to then ask, well, you may be convicted of this. Who else is convicted of this? How many right. people are convicted of this? Maybe we need to do it. Maybe now is not the time. Maybe we need to start preparing for it. Uh, or maybe other people have said, no, God has told us this is not the way we need to go. Um, in which case you then have to ask, well, you know, is everyone hearing from the Lord clearly? Or are some people's actual desires sort of getting in the way and they're wanting their desires to be what the Lord wants? And yeah. um, that's that's kind of the idea of hitching him to our wagon. Uh, we get yeah. this idea in our head and we think this is this is the way to go. This is how to do it. And really, it's it's not even necessarily a bad thing. It's just not the right thing at the right time. And yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Uh, that's probably about all I had really there. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I think the idea of corporate prayer is important. Especially when we're talking about church life, and it isn't just one person says, "Okay, God gave me the instructions for all of you bozos," you know. It, it yeah. and and that's in my experience, that's not the way God does it. We pray together, and we then we talk about it, mm -hmm. and we kind of feed off of each other. You know, one thing one person says will spark something that I sensed as I was praying, and and we. It becomes much better than what I had because I only had a, a piece of it, you know. But as as we sit around and and I've found that planning things in the life of the church, when we do that right after praying and intentionally praying, not just for the plan itself, but just more broadly for God's will and for Him to reveal Himself to us, when that is the prelude to the meeting. Uh, we get really interesting results. I mean, people will say stuff and and, and it just kind of resonates, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I think rather than just the, let me use the excuse of God to get my way, uh, you know, the, I'm, I'm, I'm very hesitant to throw around that I have a word from God, you know, uh, unless it's flat out scripture, you know, I'm, I'm unapologetic yeah. about that, but um, I'm, I'm very aware of how easily I can be misled, how easily I can deceive myself into thinking something, you know? So I, I try to always put asterisks next to any claim that, you know, I sense God leading me in this way. Um, I look to the rest of the body for confirmation, you know, that God's, if it really is God, then he's telling all of us the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's the same with the marital relationship, right? If uh, yeah. husband and spouse are husband and spouse are feeling different convictions, um, then the question is, well, are we are we hearing from God accurately or are we trying to put our own desires and heart into into this direction we need to go? Yeah. Uh, you know, you'll hear somebody say, well, I feel called to be a pastor. And the wife goes, well, I don't feel called to be a pastor's wife. Well, yeah. we may we may not be on the same page here, and um, you know it, it, we may need to slow that down a little bit and kind of figure out what's what's really going on there. And right. so, you know, anytime you have a corporate group, whether it's you know a married couple or a family, or uh, you know if you work at a place where 
most of the people are Christians or, you know, it's a Christian organization or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's important to hear from not just, uh, you know, one person says, oh, this is what God's wanting us to do. Let's do it. But to hear also the convictions that other people are receiving as well to test the convictions of the one person to see if they're in line with everyone else's and always, of course, test convictions to be sure they're in line with what scripture teaches. You know, anytime someone says, well, God convicted me to do this, but it goes against scripture. Um, we have a, we have a bit of a red flag there. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about uh, this idea? Uh, sometimes people in, in the context of prayer will talk about um, God talking about granting us the desires of our hearts. Sure. I think that, um, I think this is a, uh, oh, I think of how I want to say this. I do think that God does desire to grant us the desires of our heart. That's a really wordy way to say that. But, um, <laughs> but I also think that he desires for our hearts to long for him above all else and to search for or seek for righteousness and justice and, uh, the kingdom of God. And so, I think when our desires are aligned with his will, he gives us the desires of our heart. When our desires are not aligned with his will, then it's indication that our heart needs to be realigned uh, so that we can be where God intends for us to be doing what he intends for us to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of my take on that. I mean, you know, if the desire of your heart is selfishness and the desire of your heart is, um, uh, to make a name for yourself, but not really, you know, an impact for God's kingdom. Uh, then just like with the old Testament, uh, you were discussing earlier when God said in Jeremiah, you know, if the people do this, then I'll do what I said. And if they don't, then I won't. Um, yeah. and, uh, in kind of in the same way, you know, I think that, uh, yes, God desires to give us our desires, but he also desires for our desires to align with his will. And when they don't, uh, I don't think he has any obligation to answer those prayers or yeah. you know, answer um, those prayers in an affirmative way. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I recently uh, read, I was reading through Luke and uh, the passage where he talks, um, Jesus in Luke talks about ask, seek, knock, you know, and you'll receive it. And it's right after the thing about the the parable of the the friend who comes in the middle of the night and asks for something and oh yeah, you know, <laughs> gonna give it to him. And uh and then, you know, your kid asks you for bread, you're not gonna give him a serpent. He asks you for an egg, you're not gonna give him a scorpion. Right. So everything there seems to be saying, you know, just ask God. He's a good dad, he'll give you whatever, you know tchotchkes and candies you want but the final sentence there is and if you guys who are evil know how to give good stuff to your kids how much more will your father in heaven give you the holy spirit yeah and um i mean part of this idea is a parent wouldn't give a scorpion to their kid right i mean unless it's a yeah. pet. uh but that's a different context now right but um <laughs> you know, God's not going to give us something that he knows is going to be detrimental to who we are and who he's calling us to be. Yeah. And so, you know, God's not going to answer a prayer that's even maybe one of our desires if that desire is going to end up causing us or bringing us harm or bringing harm to others. Yeah. Well, and, but 
that that passage points out that the ultimate good thing God is giving to us is himself. Yes. You know, in John, it talks, Jesus says, this is life mm -hmm. to know you. You know, uh, to know the Father and, and the one whom the Father sent. You know, the, yeah. the uh, meaningful thing God can give to us is himself. And prayer is a key component in unlocking that gift. Yeah, I think, um, and, and that sort of gets back to the heart of the issue. Prayer isn't just about giving God a laundry list of things we want him to do. Prayer has a lot to do with um it has a lot to do with us getting to know god and have a meaningful relationship with god the way yeah. that he intends for us to do uh so so our prayers tend to better align with him the better we know him and the better we know him the deeper our prayers become but yeah. the way we get to have that relationship with him is through time in his word through time in prayer and through time in conversation with other Christians and in communal worship with other believers. And so um, if you guys are listening to the podcast today, I uh, thank you for your time as always. And uh, my, my kind of closing thing for you to think about this week is what does your prayer life look like? Uh, do you simply rattle something off to God a couple times a day and then be on your way? Or do you sit and listen do you seek the conviction of the spirit on your heart? Do you seek for God to convict you as you read his word? And um, so what, what does your prayer life look like? And what do you need to do to improve that prayer life to where you're also asking deep questions about where God's at work, where he wants you to be, what your purpose is, uh, but also... Um, what he would have you do for others for his kingdom. And uh, so think about those things this week. And Randall, thank you for being here. And for those of you listening, we'll see you again next time on the Faith and Culture Now podcast.